everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, do you guys know about the Rise Run Retreat? The Rise Run Retreat is a four-day women's running retreat that was founded on the idea that when women come together through running, we inspire and strengthen each other. Join elite runner Stephanie Bruce and host Sarah Canny from Run Far Girl. You guys have heard her on the podcast probably. She was back in episode 57. Join them in the picturesque Green Mountains of Vermont this spring, May 17th through the 20th. Take part in group runs, restorative yoga, strength training sessions, and attend workshops on holistic nutrition. Registration includes lodging, all meals, and an out-of-this-world swag bag. Spots are limited to just 16 people, and the application window closes on March 1st. For more information and to apply, head to riserunretreat.com slash retreat, and make sure you follow their Instagram account, at riserunretreat, for event updates. I've heard nothing but amazing reviews from people who have been on this retreat in the past, and the fact that Sarah keeps it to just 16 people creates this really special and intimate environment where you can really get to know the other women in the group. I highly recommend checking it out. That's riserunretreat.com slash retreat. I'm also really excited because in November, the weekend of the 9th, 10th, and 11th, I'm going to be joining Sarah and a bunch of other awesome women for the Seacoast Half Marathon Weekend in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and I'm going to be doing a live show that Friday the 9th, so stay tuned for more information on that as well. All right, you guys, today you're listening to episode 104, and I'm talking with Allie Kiefer. We've got a return guest on the show. I had Allie on the show as a bonus episode right after the New York City Marathon. I loved having her on the show right after that marathon. She placed fifth in the New York City Marathon. Crossing the finish line is the second American woman to finish, which was so amazing. Allie kind of had a whirlwind of interviews right after that race. And since then, we've all been wondering, what is she up to? Um, Some of you probably know she has signed a contract with Wazelle. And currently, she is training in Kenya. She also recently just announced that she will be running the London Marathon this spring. So lots of fun stuff to catch up with Allie on. I was honored to have her on the show, and we did a little long-distance thing. She called in from Kenya after a 19-mile day. So great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Before we get started talking with Allie, I want to thank Kind Snacks for supporting this podcast. Have you tried a Kind Bar? You might have seen them in your local grocery store, coffee shop, or gym. They make delicious, healthy snacks using whole ingredients you can recognize and pronounce. If you're ready to try tasty and healthy snacks, we've got a special deal for you. You can try the Kind Bars for free. All you have to do is pay shipping. When you order the sample box, you'll also get to try Kind's Snack Club, where you'll receive monthly snacks at a discount and get members-only bonuses. So you guys, I am telling you, I am a happy camper because I'm a member of the Kind Snacks Club. I get two boxes delivered to my porch every month, and I actually just received an email that my shipment was shipped for the month. So I bet they'll be on my front porch today. So you guys can try out Kind Snacks free of charge. All you have to do is pay shipping. To pick up your free sample box, go to kindsnacks.com slash lindsay. That's kindsnacks.com slash lindsay for full details. All right, thank you Kind Snacks for supporting this podcast episode. And hey guys, if you're loving the show, I would so appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. It's one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. I set that crazy goal of hitting a thousand ratings and reviews uh, by the end of 2017. And 
I did not hit my goal, but I'm still, I'm not embarrassed that I set the goal. Um, I'm at, I just checked and I'm at 711 right now. So maybe by the first half of this year, we can get to 1,000. So if you haven't done that yet and you are loving the show, I would really appreciate it. It's a really, really awesome way you can support the show. And if you're looking for more content from me, you can always find that over on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash lindsayhine, where I record bonus episodes for Patreon supporters only. All right, you guys, let's go ahead and get started and enjoy this conversation with Allie Kiefer. How's it going? It's good. Uh, I'm pretty tired. <laughs> like every run is hard here in altitude. So, oh, I bet. But, um, and I hit like a really big mileage week last week. So I think I'm just, just tired. So Are you everything done? else is good. Are you done for the day or do you have another run coming up? Yeah, I ran 19 miles today. So definitely done. <laughs> Was it all one run or did you do it two runs? No, I did two runs. We run, like you kind of feel bad here if you don't double because there are hundreds of people that run. And like all throughout the day, people are running. So it's like you have to, and there's nothing else to do. So you might as well be tired and just double every day. It's 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 crazy. Like um, Tuesdays and Thursdays, they do workouts. And so Wilson Kipsang like, gives the fart lick for the group. And I'm telling you, hundreds of people go. So today was the workout day. And I haven't gone to one yet. But I was running, like, the opposite direction as everyone else was. And there were, like, 300 people. So are these people, like, are they elite runners? Or are they people striving to be elite runners? Like, who are these 300 people? Yeah, so I think that the problem is that the economy is terrible here. And there just aren't enough jobs. Unemployment rate is about, like, 40%. So most people don't have work. So I think, really, that their idea of a way out is they're running. So most of the people are aspiring runners. Okay. Okay. So we last talked in November and like right after your New York City marathon experience. So I want to talk to you about like how you got to Kenya, why you decided to train there. There's so much to get into. <laughs> sure. Ask away. Okay. <laughs> We're talking with Allie Kiefer, everybody. She, you know what, Allie? I've only had like, I don't know, maybe three people uh, return as a returning guest to my show. So I'm really excited to have you. Thank you for having me. It's so fun. Right after New York, you probably had this like, I mean, how many interviews did you do after New York? I didn't count. I'm glad I didn't <laughs> Like so many. So you probably told the same story a lot. And what I like to do is now follow up, you know, because mm -hmm. you kind of came out and you got fifth place at the New York City Marathon, and then everybody's wanting to interview you, but then everybody's like, okay, well, what now? What's she going to do now? Um, yeah. And you had some time to decide and to figure out where you wanted to take this, let that kind of victory of the fifth place sit for a minute and then decide. So can you tell me what, after New York and after like all that celebration settled down a bit, like what were your next steps? So... Originally, like right after the race, I was still thinking track. Like, I'm going to run such a good 10K. I can't wait for track season. It's going to be awesome. And I decided to go out to Colorado because I was – and, like, train with Brad Hudson because I had been training by myself. And I'd been meeting up with some guys from Buffalo where I was living before New York City. But I wanted, like, to meet someone for every workout and to have someone be, like, be excited about my workouts again. I was just missing – like that piece of it. 
And so I uh, went to Colorado and I trained with Brad and it just went so well. And I think I only did really one long run, like one seriously, like tried to do a good, like long 30 K and it went really well. And Brad was like, you have to do a marathon. Like <laughs> you're just, you're crazy. You're a marathoner. You know, I know you want to do the 10 K and you can still do a good 10 K, but you're going to be a marathoner. So really, if you want to get experience to try to make 2020 Olympics, you should do a spring marathon. And it made a lot of sense. So then I, you know, called my agent and tried to get into a marathon. And then um, I got the opportunity to go to Doha and do a half marathon. So I did some speed training basically after New York City. And like, I mean, speed training as in like probably 10K training, not like 1500 meter training. And then I did the, the half marathon. And then right after that, I took the opportunity that I was already in Doha. So I just, you know, go to Africa and train at altitude because I knew I wanted to be at altitude, but everywhere in the U.S., was having like there's bad weather now so I've always wanted I like traveling I like new experiences and it was kind of like a toss-up between Kenya or Ethiopia and for really no reason I picked Kenya I don't know it's just my head and a lot of people told me not to come here to be honest because there's like doping allegations Mm. but there's doping allegations in Ethiopia too so I mean there's doping allegations in the U.S. right I feel like there are there there are possibilities anywhere you have to just be the be the same person that you want to be in whatever area you're going to because you're going to be around if you're on the circuit i think people are going to you know some people are going to be people aren't and you just align with the right people and you can't just hide and not go to that whole country you know what i mean so i decided that i was going to come to kenya and then I had, like, talked to Renato Canova before I came here. And he lives in E10 where, I, where I'm staying in Kenya. And um, I thought that I would, like, kind of maybe try to be coached by him while I was here because he knows, like, roads and the training here. Because we're at 7,800 feet. And, and, like, there are massive hills everywhere. And you can't really you can get down to 7,000 feet, but you can't get much lower than that. And so I just figured, you know, like, oh, I'll, Brad does the same kind of training as Canova. They're friends. So Canova could help me while I'm here. And um, then I was going to actually, like, stay where he's staying, which is a hotel. But um, they didn't have space, and I, I asked another camp in the area if they had space, but they didn't. So I kind of got to Kenya, and I didn't know where I was going to stay. <laughs> And then I had met this guy, Nick, at a race. He runs for the army group in the U.S., but he's from Kenya. And he was actually, like, in the same town that I flew into. So he picked me up from the airport, and I spent the night with his family. And then the next day, he dropped me off at Betsy Sinai's door. And I was like, hey, I don't know you, but can you take care of me for two months when I'm in Kenya? Oh, my gosh. She's, like, the nicest person ever, and she hooked me up with an apartment really close to hers, and she drives me, like, to practice down to the 7,000 feet so we can, you know, like, do an actual good run, and um, just, like, 
figures everything out for me. It's been like she got me a pacer. There's um, a woman, Gladys, that actually cooks and cleans for me. So I literally just train and everything else is done. My life here, I'm so spoiled. Like you would think that in the U.S. I'd be spoiled, but no, I'm so spoiled. I don't want to leave. I love it in Kenya. So who is Betsy, though? Like, I mean, does she get random elite athletes dropped off at her door on a regular basis? (laughs) So I think it's just like the like the Kenyan way kind of. Uh-huh. People are uh-huh. incredibly giving. So what I've noticed is that people ask for help a lot. Like if you need something, you can ask for like like my neighbor will come over and be like, "Hey, do you have milk?" Like there's a store like mm-hmm. 100 meters away, but if I have milk, like the thing to do is to give the milk away. Mm-hmm. And then like I just I just went to the gym. And so what you do is you, like, call it, it's a Peaky Peaky, which is a motorbike. So it's 50 shillings, which is 50 cents, to go wherever you want to go in town. And I didn't have 50, so I just said, hey, like, do you have 50? Like, I'm never going to give him that money back. Like, you just, you take what you need, and if someone else has it, they give it. It's a really nice system. So, like, there aren't, home like, people don't have money, but there aren't homeless people because everyone helps them out. Oh, that's so good. So that was your neighbor you asked for the 50? I did, yeah. Yeah. And so like, I think it's just like I know a girl, um, Julia, that's like staying at a hotel just messaged Betsy the other day saying like, hey, you know, like I'm not really happy. I've been here for a long time. I don't really know anyone. Like I don't have any friends. And Betsy was like, hey, you can stay in my couch as long as you need. You know, like she doesn't even know that person. That's just the way that Kenyan people are very giving and like friendly and welcoming. And they want people to have a good time in their country and you know they don't want to see anyone sad we could take some notes over here couldn't we (laughs) (laughs) yeah we could yeah so um yeah but betsy got fifth of the olympics in the 10k oh okay yeah she's a she used to run for bowerman track club oh okay living in kenya so okay Mm -hmm. so when she got fifth she was running for kenya right she ran for kenya yeah okay okay so you were being coached by brad hudson though who's coaching you right now so still Brad. Okay, still yeah. Brad. So is he like sending you your workouts through email or whatever? Yeah, we use Final Surge. Okay. Just just an app that he like writes the training in. And then, you know, I get it. So and then like basically every all like my Garmin updates to it. So he gets like is aware of every run that I've done. And how much longer are you in Kenya for? So I leave March 2nd. Okay. And then what? Where? I mean, I know you're going to run London, but then then where do you go until London? Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say, but I'm oh. going to. <laughs> I'm doing New York City half. Oh, you're so, doing New York City half. I knew that was like a maybe. Okay. Yeah. So I will be back two weeks before that, basically. I wanted, I want to run well there. So I decided that I would come back in, with enough time to like come down from altitude and have a couple good runs in because it's just, I don't really know what the runs mean. Like I'm going hard every day and it hurts a lot, but like I'm running a lot, lot slower than I was before New York city. And I think that it's, I mean, obviously the altitude, but the roads are dirt roads. Um, they're not like super smooth either. And they're very hilly. So I'm hoping that I'll go back to sea level two weeks before New York city. And then like, you know, have one or two good runs, with some confidence, and then taper down for the race. Yeah, does he, does Brad, like, calculate the alti- altitude difference and, like, oh, well, you're running this pace, but really, in reality, it's more like this? Or is there just no way to really tell? 
I mean, for sure, like, you can use a calculator for the altitude itself, but the roads are so different, like, just a dirt road in general, and they're really hilly, like, I know um, last week, I kind of had my first good long tempo here, and I was like, oh, you know, like, do you think that was good, and he was like, yeah, you didn't even go to the flat road for it, I was like, Brad, that is the flattest road. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I know 500 feet of elevation gain doesn't seem flat, but that's as good as it gets here. Like, it's just, like, it's, it's not even comparable to what I was doing in Buffalo before New York City. Yeah, basically. So, so London's really it, flat and fast. Does that, I mean, is it ever a concern that you're like, I haven't run on flat ground enough? No, I'm not really concerned about that at all. I think I'll be, like, because once I get to Buffalo, I'll be able to do the courses, some of the courses I did before New York City that are pretty flat. Okay. Um, I the, my fear is that I need to run some on like the paved surface because I'm going to go back to Buffalo and almost everything is paved, mm. and I don't want to like I need to get accustomed. I need to do 26 miles on pavement, so you know you kind of have to callous your legs to that, and then callous your legs to being able to handle the mileage on that kind of surface as well. So. You did run the half in Doha, one ten forty, which was a four minute PR. That's huge. Yeah, that was a good race. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and was, you won. Yeah, it's a good feeling. Yeah, it was really fun. I really, really enjoyed Doha. Um, it was just like I've never been to that part of the world either, so it was a really cool experience in that regard. And then the race is kind of funny because um, they're like it just like, didn't run as smooth as I would have thought. And so we kind of, like, got to the race an hour and a half beforehand. And then, you know, you go do your warm-ups. And we were waiting for people to, like, walk us over to the start line. But it never really happened. And then, like, there was no, like, on your mark, it said, all of a sudden, it was just, like, the gun went off. And, like, some guys was tying his shoe. It was just kind of crazy. But, um after that, like, it was a flat course, so it was a little bit of headwind, and you did three U-turns, so it was, like, a two-loop course, so I don't think it was, like, super fast, even though it was flat, but it was, like, and it was a little bit warm, but, I mean, I was really happy with the time, and obviously the place, and it was just a really cool experience, and I met a lot of really nice people, so, yeah, I loved, that was great, I'm glad I went there, because I was trying to go to Houston, but they just, like, I think that I obviously, like, they went really fast. And I want to, this year, I want to, like, be in the lead pack. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like New York City, obviously, that like, I ended up in the lead pack. But I want to be there the whole time. I want to, like, assert myself in the races. And so I think part of that is choosing races that I can be in the lead pack. Like, I know I was hoping to make World Half Marathon Championships, and I did make it. But I wouldn't, they're going for the world record, which is under 65 minutes. And, like, <laughs> I'm getting but I'm just not capable of that yet, you know. So, like, so it just doesn't make sense to, to do that race. Yeah, they went out really hard in Houston. Yeah. Yeah, it was really fast. That's- I talked to Molly Huddle afterwards, and, yeah, it was, it seemed kind of like a crazy pace. Yeah, well, didn't she say her goal plan was, like, to just go out with them and then die? (laughs) Yeah, kind of. I think so. And it's just, like, I forget. So, I forget what the winner, do you know what the winner did in Houston? 
I don't remember. Maybe it was like, was it 65? Yeah, 66? I don't know. It was insane. Yeah. But so, so, but you ran the 110 in Doha. Um, do, what does that translate to in New York City? Like, what kind of goals do you have for that? For the hat? I just want, I want to be with the, I want to, like, I've learned to hurt here more than I've ever hurt before in my life. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I just want to go with them. Like, I have a pacemaker here. And sometimes, you know, we go out too fast or we hit some middle miles too fast. And I just, I don't even say like slow down, you know, maybe I can't make it the whole way, but I, I want to just go out with the girls in New York city and mix it up, see how long that takes me, like do what Molly did. I mean, it sounds absolutely insane, but like, I feel like that's the next step for me Yeah, is just like hurting a bit and can like the longer it's just like continuing to stay with them and telling myself like I can be there and I'm like done the work and I deserve to be here. I think at times you get scared because people have better PRs than you and, and whatnot. And like, I just, I want to mix it up. I wanted to do a race here in Kenya. So there was a a 10 K or a half marathon that I was going to jump into. It was supposed to be just like 40 minutes away, but it ended up getting moved to a couple hours. But I thought that would be a good good idea. Like, you know, just start running with the Africans because I, that's where I want to be in the race. I want to be with them. Like they're at the front and that's what I want to do. But um, it just didn't work out this time. But hopefully next time I'm here. Do you know names that are going to be up there running in New York City? Well, Betsy's going. Oh, she is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you doing a lot of training runs with her? So I do a lot of training runs, just not a lot of workouts. Okay. She's definitely okay. faster than me. Okay. <laughs> so we'll see how that translates in New York City. But she, and she just ran Marigami, with, and she ran 69.15. Okay. And she won that, and so um, she's in really good shape. And I know that, like, it's different for people that have been born or lived or trained at altitude for a long time than me coming from sea level. Like, I'm just not going to be able to do that all the time. Like, I won't be able to hang with her for everything. And, and then, like, I have to mentally tell myself, like, that's okay, and the race is different. And also, like, everyone tapers different and race is different. Like, what you do in practice doesn't doesn't dictate what happens in the race. You know, you still have to race and show up that day. So I, I have, I have done like, I do most of my runs with her and we go to practice together and maybe like I might do portion of her workout. So if she's doing like two K's, I'll do a mile repeats. Um, and then before her half marathon, when she was tapering, she did my workouts cause they were easier. <laughs> <laughs> but so it's stuff like that. But like, we're both double like five times a week so it's like every day except for long run and Sundays because the long runs on Saturday here um so we do like you know 90 kilometers a week together I mean she's going to New York you say she's faster than you right now but you're still gonna go out you're still gonna go out with her and just see what happens in that group yes I love that that's good I think a lot of us are scared to do that I mean even everyday runners like you toe the line with someone you're like oh their PR is five minutes faster than my me I can't you know go out with them but it's kind of like well at some point everybody had to put themselves out there everybody who's winning these races had to run with the girls that were faster than them yeah I mean if I said that in New York you know I wouldn't have made it anywhere right it would have been way back in the pack I just I feel like you have to give yourself the opportunity yeah if it doesn't work and I then so what I end up a little bit slower than I could have run. Like there's more to gain than there is to lose. I'd rather fail trying than not try at all. 
And you're you're giving yourself, like you said, the opportunity. You're giving yourself the chance that you wouldn't even know if you didn't do it. Yeah. So you, I think that it's I think it's like I've gotten a, so I feel like in Doha the course like wasn't super fast and I was didn't have like a ton of competition from the other women and so if I have like more competition and a little bit of a faster course which I actually don't think New York City is that fast of a course yeah you know like yeah. that's already a little bit of a gain and then it has been you know have been like two months which is a lot of time like I've gained I know I've gained fitness it's hard to to exactly tell how much because the training is like because of the altitude but and the dirt roads but I there's no way that I've put in that kind of effort for the past two months and haven't gotten anything back from it you know yeah so when you get back to the states and you're not at altitude I wonder how long it'll take you to really come down and really see the benefits of that well, hopefully only two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, does it do people get altitude sickness? Because I had a friend who she was training at altitude and then came here to Indianapolis to run the Monumental Marathon. And um, she ended up having to drop the race and she was very sick during the race. And I think they were speculating like she didn't give herself enough time to acclimate. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, there's a lot of different theories. I think a lot of Americans, like, they go two days before the race or two weeks. Mm-hmm. There's, like, that funky in-between period. Um, then it also depends how long you've been at altitude. So I know that I talked to the guy who won um, Fukoku Marathon, Alexandre. He's from Norway. He's, like, ran 205. I think he's the fastest non-African. Mm. But... Um, he said he went like six days before the race because the time difference was six hours from Kenya. And like he gave himself a day for every hour. But he said that people have told him in the past that that was like, the like you don't want to go six days. I don't know why, but then he's tried to go like four or five days before and that didn't work. So I just feel like everyone's different in how long it takes you. But I haven't had that much experience with it. So... I just w- went kind of like the safe route because uh-huh. two weeks uh-huh. would definitely be okay. Yeah. And I know, like, I talked to Edna Kiplagat because she also lives in Eton where I'm living. And she was like, oh, just go, like, five days before the race. It's the Kenyan way. I was like, <laughs> oh, I mean, it's hard to disagree with you because it's worked out really well for you. But I don't really think I want to gamble on, like, a big stage like that. So, well, yeah, and she's been doing it for years, and she knows. I mean, she had to gamble at the start when she first started doing it, but now it's like she knows what works for her. Yeah, now it's just too, I don't know, I'm stuck this way now because I'll probably never want to take a gamble yeah. again. Yeah, that's too Yeah, that's too risky. Yeah, so that's fun. You are, like, hanging out with Edna Kiplagat and people like that. What's that like? It's really surreal. Yeah. It's hysterical. Um, today I was, I ran with my neighbor, but then I added on cause I did more miles. And so there, we live like really close to this forest actually where you can see like monkeys and stuff. It's really cool. Um, so it was just like on the single track trail, like flying through and Jake Robertson passed me who just won Houston. Oh my gosh. Real, I, I should know that, but I follow women's running so much more closely than men's that I didn't know who that was. Yeah, but I was like, oh, my God. Like, I just feel like everyone's here. Like, yeah. 
I did a workout last week or I, I sk- actually skipped the workout because it was really windy and Wilson Kipsang was doing his workout. Mm. And I was like, it's just, <laughs> Kipchoge was at the cross country race a couple weeks ago. Like, you just see everybody. It's insane. Like, and then really, the, it's great to see like the big stars and see them work out or like be in the same area as they are. But you're just surrounded by hundreds of people that have the same goals as you. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I noticed in one of your Instagram posts, you said that it was pretty cool how people over there are less focused on talent and more focused on work ethic. Yeah. Well, the whole thing is like work, like train hard, win easy. Yeah. But I mean, everyone warns you about overtraining because like that's the biggest problem because everyone is out here working hard and it's really like it's contagious and it's also like you know, after a certain amount of time here, if you've gone a little bit too hard, you you can't like recover like you can at sea level. So you really have to be careful about not doing too much. And I think that when you're doing too much, you don't always know it's too much. But, um, so yeah, I think that a lot of people out here actually like overtrain when people like my whole idea of what overtraining is, I think is completely different perspective has changed because but pe- the kind of training that we do in the U.S. is like nothing like what people do here. How many miles are you a week are you running right now? I ran one fifteen last week. Ooh, what did you peak out at when you were training for New York? One hundred and four. Okay, so not too much more. I mean, it is, but not crazy. Yeah, this like that was like my was it my third week at um, training for London, and I think like. I had done like 75 in my third week before New York City. Oh, okay. So um, I'll have I'll have like 15 more miles a week before London than I did before New York City, if that makes sense. So I had 81 mile average for like 13 weeks building up to New York City. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I'll have 96 around there. So why'd you choose London? I, well, I knew everyone that was going to Boston. Yeah. And I didn't want like to be in the Olympic trials of you know 2018 <laughs> yeah I was gonna say yeah Boston's so deep yeah especially on the American side yeah like, it's crazy it's insane yeah and I feel like I I mean I raced like a few of those girls already in New York City and I wanted a flat course because New York is like considered to be a harder course mm-hmm. and I actually don't think I'm very good at the hills like every in training I'm not very good at hills so I wanted to run something like flat and fast and kind of see what I can do. Um, I want to mix it up internationally. I think that some, like, it's just, I've had really good races when I kind of don't know the lineup and I don't know what they've done before. And I don't like put myself into a box of that. I can only achieve X because I've been beaten by these other people before. So I just wanted, I mean, now it sounds crazy because now I've looked up these women that I'm racing and I'm like, how is Rose Shalimo who like won world's, in the marathon ranked eighth or something going into London. <laughs> like it's insane. I mean, there's so many, there's literally like 10 girls that have run under 223. I mean, it's insane. But I think London will more be about just running a good time for me. Yeah. I mean, obviously you want to PR, right? Yeah. I do definitely want to PR. I really want to break 225. Okay. two twenty. So that you're putting it out there. That's a goal. You want to break 225. So to do that, you're gonna. Are you gonna go out with the lead pack? No, they're going for the world record. 
Oh, okay. Well, we're not going to do that. What the world record is? Two, is it two fifteen? Yeah. Okay. Better not go out for the go out with <laughs> if you want to break two twenty five. Then right. I heard the first pack is getting paced at two fourteen. The oh, second okay. is two eighteen, and the third is two twenty. So I'm not sure if there's a two twenty five pack. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'll be at. So no, unfortunately, I won't be running with the leaders in that race. But maybe it'll be another New York City and I can like roll them up at the end. Yeah. That would be. So that's kind of crazy. I didn't know that there would be like three packs like that. Because usually you see the first pack and then there's maybe a second. But I mean, it sounds like they've like structured out. Like we know there's going to be three packs and we have a pacer for each pack. So I'm not sure how good you have to be when you're like, I'm only coming if you give me a pacer for X time. (laughs) But I assume that's how it happens. Like, you know, and it is a flat, fast course where, like, world records have been set, and a lot of the top times ever have come from London. So I, I think this is, like, like the, that doesn't happen in New York City. There are no pacers. Like, people know it's not going to be as fast of a race. And you go there for the place. And you go to London to run a good time. Yeah. So hopefully that it is a good time. So you're coming back. You're doing New York City. And then how many weeks after New York City do you have to London? Five. Okay, five. So then you'll have like, what, like three more peak weeks and then kind of taper down? Yeah, you know what? I only do two more. Okay. And I do a three okay. taper. It's kind of like not- creeping up on us. I know it is. It's really scaring me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, like March is in two weeks pretty much. I know. Don't remind me. I don't <laughs> But yeah, no, I'll be good to get back to the U.S. I'm just like really loving it here. And and I'm so spoiled. <laughs> and like, that just, it's so easy to train. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. just like, so, but yeah, the time is ticking away. So who are you going to train with when you get back to the U.S.? So I'm hoping to bring my pacer back to the U.S. with me. We're trying to get him a visa. Okay. But I mean, it's only a few weeks away, so that probably he won't be there immediately. Um. And then there are a few guys that I ran with before New York City that are training for the Buffalo Marathon. So I know that they've like haven't had the best winter back there, but I'm hoping they're in like somewhat good shape when I get home. Because um, that's a problem is that there just aren't that many people to train with. I think I mean I don't. It's not just Buffalo. It's kind of like the better you get, the fewer people can can train with you. So, yeah. so I'm not exactly sure what I'm gonna do. I think that's part of the reason why I like did better in Colorado because I was running with people and I'm doing better here because I'm running with people and just being pushed to a different level, which I think is helping me a lot. But also at the same time, like I don't think you can keep that up forever. You know, you like maybe that's just the taper period. Maybe it's longer than that. You need to like run what your body's telling you and not, you know, kill yourself every day. How does that work, though, if you bring your pacer back? Like, do you pay him? Does your sponsor pay him? Like, how does he, What? how does that work? I don't know any of these logistics. Yeah, I don't know either. I haven't talked to them about it. Um, I think that, like, his goal would be to get into some races, and that's how he would get there. So he's hoping to, to like, run a half or a marathon this coming spring or summer. Okay. And then... Um, I, I definitely pay him to pace me. I pay him here to pace me. Oh, okay. Um, okay. 
And then I just don't, I don't think that he would make enough in racing to really be able to afford life in the U.S. Yeah. I think the hard thing is that I've been trying to, I think people think of like the U.S. and how, you know, there's like so much opportunity there, but life is so expensive. So I've tried to explain that to people here because I think they see as like your life will be easy in the U.S. because you can get a job. And it's like, yeah, but you can't really like pay all your bills necessarily with one job even. Like a lot of people have two jobs and, you know, then you need a car and all these other things, right? So I just, like life is very simple here and very cheap and you can't live like that in the U.S. It's just, it's uh, like, okay, I just, I paid my electric when I got here a month. I've been in Kenya for a month now and I put a hundred thousand shillings for the electric, which is $10 and it lasts me yeah, like you go to the grocery store or it's like the butcher and I bought some meat. So I bought um, some goat meat for me, my neighbor and Betsy. And you tell them how much like you want to spend. And so I just said that I wanted to get 300 shillings worth, which is $3. And we all ate the meat. Like it was enough for all of us. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you like you just can't. That's not possible in the U.S. Yeah. What is food like over there? Are you, I mean, obviously you eat meat. Um, do mm-hmm. you, have you noticed like a difference? Have you had any stomach issues or anything? So the only issue I had when I first got here was that um, like the milk is, no one has a fridge or like very mm. few people have fridges. So I don't have one. And so like you buy milk in um, a little package and then it like lasts a long time. But for me, I couldn't re like if I opened it one day, I couldn't use it the next day too. Like, if I open a package, then it's only good that day for me. Because your stomach, only- it bothered your stomach or just because you couldn't like the thought of it grossed you out because it wasn't cold. No, it's my stomach. So I was getting like stomach issues from the milk. It took me like a week to figure that out. But that's the only problem I've had here. What do you drink milk with? I mean, are you just using it for your coffee or what do you use milk for? Yeah, so coffee, I'm I'm totally Kenyan now. Like I have the tea <laughs> time. Um, they mix like tea and milk, a little bit of water and sugar, Okay, which is like a big time drink in Kenya. Um, so those are the two big things that I put milk. But I do, do I still have like coffee in the morning. Okay, so you do the coffee in the morning and then, like, the tea in the afternoon. Yeah, I have my coffee. Like, that's what I'll make when I get up. And I'll just make a peanut butter and jelly and then go for a run. Mm. And then um, Gladys, the woman who cooks for me, comes over. So when I get back from my run, there's, like, a, a good breakfast, like, eggs and pancakes or eggs and French toast or oats. So I'm really I <laughs> know that's- in my that's amazing. Where do you get a Gladys? Like, does she just hop around to different houses and make elite runners food? So she used to work at one of the camps. Okay. Um, but actually, they, they, the problem is that there aren't that many jobs. So they take advantage of you if you do have a job and don't pay you very well because they know that you can't afford to lose it. She was working at one of those camps and um, they weren't treating her very well. And so she asked Betsy if if she could cook for me and which sounded like a great opportunity to me. So that kind of worked out for both of us. So then do you pay her? 
I do, yeah. Okay. That's so I cool. Do. And does she just like live down the street? So she just takes the motorbike, the peaky peaky. Okay. Because you just take 50 shillings, okay. which is really cheap. How old is Gladys? No, she's our, she's my age. She's like 30. Okay. Are you guys buddies? Mm-hmm. We are buddies, yeah. Oh, I really that's like. So, that's so fun. I want to take the U.S., but I'm a little bit afraid that the people here like won't actually like the U.S. Uh-huh. I just feel um, like people are so friendly here and giving and loving and like the weather's really nice and life is a lot simpler. Like I think they might get to the U.S. and have these high expectations and then it might not live up to their dreams. And I wouldn't want it to be the one that like ruined that for them. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm a little worried about it with my pacer, but um, hopefully that's okay. Yeah, they'll be like, who are these greedy Americans that don't hold doors open and offer to share their milk? <laughs> yeah, and, like, you go anywhere and, like, everyone shakes each other's hands. Like, they say hi. Like, well, so Betsy has a car and we'll be going to practice and we pick up a few people along the way. And literally everyone that comes in, they say hi and shake my hand. Mm. Good morning. Like, we don't. They don't necessarily do that. You know, like, um, little kids on the street will just, like, shake my hand. <laughs> it's, like, just such a friendly place. So, yeah, it's very different. All right, guys, before we continue my conversation with Allie, I want to thank one of our sponsors for this episode, and that is Casper Mattress. Podcast listeners are invited to take advantage of Casper's competitive limited-time President's Day offer for the first time ever. Casper has three mattress lines to choose from, the original Casper, the Innovative Wave, and the Streamlined Essential. And Casper isn't just a mattress company. They also offer sheets, pillows, bed frames, and even dog beds. So everyone in the family sleeps comfier than ever before. You deserve to wake up feeling refreshed and rejuvenated without back pain. That's where Casper comes in. And you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. And returns are hassle-free if you're not completely satisfied. For a limited time, please visit casper.com savings and receive up to $200 off your purchase of $2,000 or more. This special offer expires February 20th, 2018. See casper.com terms for more details. That's casper.com savings. And this special offer expires February 20th, 2018. All right, let's continue my conversation with Allie Kiefer. So I want to talk about um, Wazelle. You signed with Wazelle. Yeah. Tell me about that and tell me about that process and what that was like and how you decided to go with them because I'm sure you talked to lots of different people and brands. Yeah, so I decided to go with Wazelle because I thought that, like, well, number one, I think our values are really matched up. Um, We're both trying to promote and lift up women in this sport. And I did talk to other brands and I felt like, like I could be just one of like a bunch of other athletes that a company has. And Roselle to me felt like they were going to invest in me as a person, not just an athlete. Like if I had a bad year, they're still on my team. Mm. Like Mm. they like me as an individual. And I felt like we got to know each other on that level and I wanted that authentic, real relationship rather than just like, well, did you produce results right now or not? Because 
there are going to be highs and lows. And if I'm going to wear companies like logo and brand and represent them, I want them to also represent my values. Mm. And I just felt like we really aligned in that way. Yeah, you. Ha- it's so important to feel supported even when you're not maybe make you know, like w- crossing the finish line, breaking the tape and things like that. Yeah. And like, again, World Half was something that I wanted to be a part of and I wouldn't be able to wear Wazelle, right? I'd have to wear a Nike logo and they're still fine with that. If that's your goal, Allie, like go do it, right? So I felt like that was really warm too. I mean, there are a lot of things that I didn't think of maybe before I went into like talking with brands and I just felt like that they would really support everything that I wanted to do. And I know that being here in Kenya probably isn't the best like marketing thing for them. <laughs> Actually, like we just signed and when I left immediately and went to Doha and then went to Kenya for a couple months and they're probably like, Oh my God, like <laughs> uh, we're kind of like, supporting here but we're not getting anything back but they're they they're just supportive because they know it's the best thing for me yeah but I mean you're on social media and your following like continues to grow and people are seeing that you know people are seeing that you're wearing their kit and and I mean I knew you know we all knew yeah that. yeah so and you're gonna be back in like two weeks yeah I know it's just it's um it was really cool of them I just like I respect them a lot I think that they're just awesome people and it makes me want to wear the kit, you know, yeah. like not like, Oh, I have to wear this. Like I'm like pumped because I feel like they're good people and I want to represent them in that company. Yeah. Have you gotten been able to get to know any of the other girls on the team yet? So I've talked to some people on the team, but I'm like Lesko's my, my best friend. I talked to Lesko a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she seems so sweet. She is really sweet. And when I went to Seattle to meet everybody, I stayed with her. And I just, like, absolutely love her family. Oh, so. yeah. Does she have two or three kids? Yeah, she has three. Okay. Are they teenagers? Yeah, two are at school, and then one still at home. Okay. Oh, like college, college school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So tell me what this means for, like, shoes then. Like, what do you do for a shoe sponsor? What kind of shoes do you wear, since obviously Wazelle is apparel? Right. So I'm still wearing Nikes. Okay. All right. So then is that your plan going forward? Yeah. I mean, like, I've worn Nikes before, the Nike Moonshot Project, and I like the Nikes. It went well. I'm not going to change anything because, I like, I'm not getting injured. I'm healthy. I'm running a lot of miles. Everything's going good. So, and and I, since I've worked with the Nike people before, like, we're, we're friends. So, anything I need, I'm kind of, like, hooked up, which is really nice. So, it's nice. So, do they yeah, send like the you four- shoes to Kenya? Uh, I told them not to because actually a lot gets stolen here. Oh, so you just brought enough like that you can switch out because if you're running 105 miles a week, how you're switching those out like every four weeks or something, right? Yeah. So I came here with two pairs and definitely one of them is done. Okay. But I am hoping to get a new pair soon. There is like someone from the U.S. coming in like nine days. And I think he has a pair of, of shoes for me. But um, the, you can also, like, buy them here. Oh, it's okay. just that it could be secondhand. I'm not really sure how that works. So what are you wearing? I haven't done it yet. What shoe are you wearing? What shoe are you training in? The structures. Okay. So your, um, your article and self, that kind of blew up. The My weight has nothing to do with how good of a runner I am. 
Yeah, that was crazy, huh? I did not expect that reaction. Yeah, tell me about that, though, because did you, I mean, you wrote the article. So did they ask you for the article or how did that go, come about? And and then um, what was kind of like your passion and drive behind the obviously like the purpose of it, you know? Yeah, so after like right after the marathon day of, I got interviewed by um, someone writing for Runner's World. And I said a couple comments and one of them was about weight. And so self kind of reached out and said, you know, I also know like the, the late, the woman I worked with to write like that edited my essay, she is dating one of my friends. Okay. So (laughs) it's just a small running world thing. I feel like, cause he's actually here right now in Kenya. Like that's so okay. But anyway, so they reached out and said, you know, um, we like picked up on this like weight aspect that you're talking about. And like, we think that this is a good message and we should share it. So, um, like, do, are you interested in writing something for us? And I was definitely interested because I feel like it's something that I've dealt with a lot. And I don't feel like, I actually don't feel like I've ever been big. So if I've dealt with it, like I know other people have too, you know, and, and my mom kind of raised me on like sharing your, your feelings and your experiences instead of keeping it inside. And so, like, you know, um, I think maybe I'm a little bit, like, weird in this respect in that when people ask, like, oh, how are you? I'm like, you know what? I had a really terrible day. <laughs> <laughs> people aren't exactly expecting that answer. Like, so um, I just thought, like, a lot of people will connect with this and it could help the next generation of especially girls going to college because I think that it's really an impressionable time when you you want so badly and you almost do anything to run well and and there are a lot of really thin girls doing well and it's easy to think like that's the answer and I think through my experiences I I saw that that definitely wasn't the answer because as people lost weight they maybe they had short breakthroughs or maybe they never had a breakthrough but it never was a long-term success and so I wanted to share my experience to try to like help other people to make it other people feel like safe with and okay with their bodies as well. And also to show girls that are going into college and not just girls because men and boys have this issue too, but like that isn't the answer and it's not healthy and it's not the way to success. Yeah. And I mean, I've talked to a lot of women on this podcast about body image and things like that. And the like kind of theme I get is that we're all shouting like it's not what my body looks like it what it's what my body can do yeah I just think it's it's hard to to like really believe that sometimes yeah I mean even here in Kenya like um like I love being here and people don't mean to say things but like um, so I've been called heavy or like, a big body and it definitely has like a different meaning in Kenya because sure. it means like you're strong and healthy because if you don't have enough money for food, then you're actually like too skinny because you're poor, right? And you can't afford food. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it, you know, like coming from the Western world, it feels like a little bit insulting and embarrassing and makes you like feel big and heavy, right? So, um, Although, like, 
like I know that it's not going to make me faster to lose weight or it's not what I want to do. I think sometimes it's just hard to feel confident and okay with the body you have, even if it is strong and it is going fast and it's, you know, doing all the things you want it to do. You know, it's just, it can be like hard to feel confident in that and what you're working with, especially when I feel this way when I'm on the start line and surrounded by really skinny runners. I mean, it's hard to keep telling yourself that you're okay with the body you have. So how do you do it then? Because it seems like you're confident and it seems like you're comfortable in your, in your own skin. Well, I mean, I think that I'm as comfortable as I'm going to get. Yeah. I think that being comfortable isn't always feeling like, you look great, you know, like you're always going to have doubts and you're always going to have like days and someone's going to say something to you that might, you know, make you feel bad or sensitive. Um, but like, I, I, there's nothing I can do about this is my body. Like I'm not going to starve myself. I'm going to continue to eat healthy and eat as much as I'm hungry for. So it's just like, I feel like they're, I'm just going to get on with it. Like there's no other, uh, there's no other way for me. Like this is my body. Like I don't have another, uh, another body to tap into just like to be thinner. Like this is because health is more important to me. Does that make sense? Like it, it's not that I'm like exuding confidence. I'm not like the most confident person out there. I just know that like, I still want to run fast. And that I don't have, I don't have to be like, I'm not going to look like Shalane Flanagan ever. And that that's not what I'm aspiring towards. I want to run fast and I'm going to run fast in this body that I have that God gave me. Right. Like that's it. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I, I, well, I feel like the older we get, the more we, we realize this too, but like, I mean, we're just built differently. Right. I mean, Shalane or whoever is probably filling up her body with all the nutrients she needs to but she's just like built with this tiny little stature yeah for sure and like betsy is even thinner than shalane and so i think it's it's hard to stand next to her and not feel big right it's like hard to be in the starting line with someone who's stick thin and and feel confident in yourself but like the end of the day that's the you have to still feel yourself you're not going to make it if you don't do that and I know when I feel my body, no matter how big or small it is, it's getting me to the finish line pretty darn fast. So did you ever get like, I feel I listened to a couple interviews uh, after New York, after I did my interview with you. And did you, I, there was a couple that I, I, one in particular, I can't remember who it was, but I remember thinking, Ooh, that was worded really awkwardly. (laughs) Did you ever feel offended or like, why did they just ask me that when someone would ask you about the body image thing? Definitely. Because I still think that people are like, Oh, but you're big. (laughs) I, I'm just, I'm, I'm definitely like sick of that because I don't feel big. And I, I think that's crazy. I mean, uh, I just, it bothers me a bit. Um, cause I think that's really the wrong message to be sending to other people. I don't understand how, like, I, I, I don't know. It definitely, um, it, I, anyone that like in saying even here, like people are calling me heavier, big body and it definitely like affects me and it makes me like a little sad. And sometimes I'm like, you know, 
you know, in the U.S., like, you shouldn't really say that. Right. <laughs> because some of the, like, my neighbor, um, he's going to college in the U.S. So I'm like, you can't say that to the girls there. Like, <laughs> we kind of, like, today we went over, like, what you can and what you can't say. I was like, when a girl is, like, asking me if she looks fat, or, you just say no. You just <laughs> always say no, no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can't tell your girlfriend that she's heavy, you know, like. <laughs> It's not good in the U.S. So, I mean, I don't think people mean to be insulting. Yeah. They're just trying to, like, ask a question. And I think it's it's on me if I'm insulted about it, you know, if I'm embarrassed about it or feeling self-conscious. Like, I'm still striving to get to a point where, like, those those words don't insult me. Especially when you, like, come to here in Kenya when, like, heavy has a different connotation than it does in the U.S., right? Like, why do we let these arbitrary words really affect us? Yeah. Well, I think that this is important and you're kind of humanizing it a little bit too because sometimes I think, you know, someone might read your self-article or something like that and think, oh, she's got it all figured out. And, and even when I talk, people might think that about me. But I think that you're actually saying here like, no, it still like bothers me sometimes. I'm still a human. Even though I got fifth place at the New York City Marathon, like these comments, like they're still, I'm still me. I'm still, um, you can hurt my feelings too sometimes. For and sure, that's, yeah. that's okay. I'm sensitive. Yeah. I'm definitely sensitive. Um, but I, I mean, you can hurt my feelings, but you can't break me. Yeah. And I'm still going to yeah. get on with it. So other people can think whatever they want. And just about body image or something else. Like, you know, a year ago, I said to a coach that I wanted to make the national championships in track, and she laughed at me. I mean, people are all through your life in all different avenues. You're going to, like, disagree or <laughs> laugh in your face or call you big. And you just have to laugh back at them and prove them wrong. Yeah, I um, there's a couple things when you say that that just come to my mind in my own life. Like I remember the first time I was running my first marathon, and I said after you know after like a few weeks of training, I was like, I think I could qualify for the Boston Marathon. And someone was like, Oh, ha ha! Like yeah, right. And just that and that statement made me be like, No, really. Now I am going to qualify for the Boston Marathon because you laughed at me for saying that. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And then I think there was something, uh, someone said something about this podcast, you know, when you like start something and you want it to become big and you want it to become this thing that people are into and, and it's hard to break through, you know, and, and you put your goals out there. Like you put your goal out there that you want to break 225. Um, it's like people that don't dream, they kind of knock it down or bash it, but then it like fuels the fire. It definitely does. And I, I, I feel like that's another contrast to Kenya, which is interesting because everyone that I've told in Kenya that I want to break 225, they've said you can do it, that's the, the very least that they've said. And some people go to the extent that they say you're going to run 223. Mm. Mm. And like you tell someone in the U.S., they're like, oh, 225. <laughs> that's so fast. I don't know. It's just maybe it's just more common. It's like, you know, recreational time here. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> like people are very... They just, like, want the best for you. And I feel like sometimes in the U.S. we, like, knock each other down because it makes us feel better. Yeah. And and I just try to, like, remove those people from my life and, like, build myself back up because 
that's not that doesn't help anyone it doesn't help yourself it doesn't help the other person like there's no there's no need to knock someone down or tell them that like their podcast isn't going to become the next big thing like now it has become a really big thing yeah I think there are people that are like realists and then there's people that are dreamers and if you're too much of a realist and you give yourself no room to dream you're going to get complacent and you're going to just kind of be like well I ran that 228 and like that was a big breakthrough but like no what now like what next what what more can I do and so it's really exciting to see you put your goals out there and I mean you talk about getting out of your comfort zone a lot now. I mean, you just like showed up in Kenya and knocked on Betsy's door and said, hey, I'm here. <laughs> like, what does getting out of your comfort zone look like to you now? Yeah, now, I mean, definitely in races, like, it's just going out because I, I'm i so used to running my pace and like getting stuck into my like race plan of I'm going to run like 520s the entire race. And like, you can't, I don't think I can move up in the running world doing that. I need to learn how to just go with it and like not have these restrictions on what I can do. So we have to wrap up because I have another interview at 11. I don't really want to, but we have to. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Tell me. So we are, since I've already interviewed you for the show, um, we've already done the end of the podcast questions. So I was thinking of some other thing, fun things we could uh, wrap up with. So one th- thought that came to my mind was when you are like laying in bed at night or when you're taking a motorcycle rides, you know, wherever in Kenya, whenever you're doing these things and you're all alone and you're alone with your thoughts, what are you thinking about? Uh, well, when I'm on the peaky peaky, my hair is blowing in the wind and everyone is looking at the white girl. <laughs> 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 but no, like I just um, started a little like board of my goals so um I'm really I definitely feel like I'm a realist and a dreamer so because I feel like the sub like 225 is a big goal obviously like that's a a dreamer in me um but I feel like the only way to get to a dream is to make these like little little steps to get there because the big goal is like too much it's just there's there's no like clear direction on how you achieve 225 unless you put these little steps to get there. Um, so I'm constantly like focused on those steps. So, um, and I and like right now, honestly, I'm just doing so much training. There's beyond the getting to 225. I don't do anything else. Like I literally like run, eat, sleep, gym, run, eat, sleep. That's the day. How many hours a day are you sleeping? Not enough. Oh, no. Are you napping? <laughs> um, yeah, but not every day. It's been hard at altitude. I found that when I was in Denver, too. It's just hard for me to sleep. So, Oh, like just, you have a hard time yeah. calming yourself down at altitude? I'm fine at night. I'm just, I don't, I think it's a reaction some people have to altitude is that they don't sleep as much as at sea level. Mm. So, like. When I get home, I know I'll I'll start sleeping like ten hours a day. Yeah, but I have I've been sleeping like eight and a half. So what's the? I can re-ask you this question because it's like three months later. What's the best most recent book you've read? Oh man, you know what? I haven't read anything. Oh okay, <laughs> well, that, that's okay too. I didn't know if that was something you did to like unwind. No, I did. I did. I read one book, but I'm not even going to say it because I didn't love it. Oh no. Um, yeah, I know. 
But I really want to read like Running with the Kenyans. Okay. But I actually I just started nutrition school. So tomorrow, like today was the first day and tomorrow is our first like assignment. So I think I'll just be reading nutrition books for the next like nine months. What's the nutrition school? What are you doing that through? Um, the nutrition therapy practitioner is oh. what I'll be nine months right before New York City Marathon next, this year. So um, I'm, it's like a holistic nutrition degree. Oh, cool. Um, are you planning, well, you probably don't know or can't say yet, but are you thinking about New York next year? Heck yeah. Oh, you okay. You're putting it out there. <laughs> I feel like people are so secretive about what, where they're going to be and what they're going to run. I love New York. I'll go there as many times as they'll have me. Are you excited about the New York City half, like being back on those streets and like this time pe- more people, well, pe- people recognized you at, in the New York City Marathon, but like this time people are really going to know who you are. Yeah. And you know what? I can't say yet, but I'm doing a couple of things before. Oh, okay. So, like some pro- um, like media type stuff. Yeah. Oh, cool. Maybe some talking. It's going to be fun. So I'm definitely excited to be back. I'm actually like. When I fly back to the U.S., I'm flying to New York City, and I'm doing one of the New York Roadrunner races, and I'll be back, like, every two weeks because there's that, and then there's the half, and then there's Easter. My mom is in New York, and it's like Easter's a really big deal in my family. So, and then I go to London. So I'm going back to New York before I go to London. So, yeah. Is your family and your boyfriend going to go with you to London? Yes, they are. So we're trying to plan, like, a fun getaway after London. Yeah, um, so if anyone tips, you know, let me know. I'll be hibernating beforehand, but afterwards, I'd love to do something cool. So uh, one last question. Anything you're loving right now? Last time you like told us all about Four Sigmatic and then I ordered it and like immediately reached out to them and, and was able to get them to come on as a sponsor. So that was like big thanks to you. Do you love them? Because I brought them to Kenya. I was wondering, <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if you did. Well, it's so easy, too, because you can just bring those little packets. Did you just bring the little packets? Yeah. I bought, like, three, like, of the three-pack boxes of the coffee. Okay. <laughs> Every morning. Yeah. You know, I I really like the elixirs better than the coffee. Like the, mm. like the chaga elixir, like, it kind of reminds me of, like, a... I'm going to sound like a hillbilly when I say this, but like an Indian tea or something like this, like that, you know? (laughs) My favorite elixir is the lion's mane. Okay. I haven't tried that one yet. Oh man, you're missing out. Okay. I'll add it to my list. And no, everything I'm loving right now is the chapati in Kenya. So you got to look up chapati and the Kenyan tea. It's kind of like a tortilla. It looks like a tortilla. It's thicker though, but you, everything, all the food is like a stew. So you like roll up your tortilla kind of looking thing and you dip it in your stew to soften it. And then it's, I mean, it's delicious. Would it be really difficult to um, eat as a vegetarian over there? Yes. Yeah. It would be. Yeah. I really miss some seafood. That'd be great right now. So there's no, (laughs) you're, you're not doing any seafood at all. I had fish twice, but it only out. I mean, it's, you know, it's a limited commodity here, so. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hate to wrap it up, but we got to go. Um, thank, thank you so much. Thanks for, you know, telling us about your training and Wazelle and what's next. And we're all excited to follow along. I know that everybody listening is going to be, I've already teased that I was talking to you again last week's episode. So everybody's going to be really excited to hear from you. Awesome. Can't wait. Thank you. Looking forward to it. All right. Good luck with the next couple weeks of uh, Altitude. 
Thank you. All right. Sorry I was late. Oh, no worries. No worries. All right. Bye. Bye, Allie. All right, you guys. Thanks so much for listening today. Thanks, Allie, for letting us catch up on your life and what you have going on. You guys, make sure you're following Allie over on Instagram. You can see all kinds of fun stuff about what she's doing. She is Kiefer Allie, K-I-E-F-F-E-R-A-L-L-I-E. You can also follow me on Instagram, lindsayhines626. I want to remind you guys of the Rise Run Retreat, the four-day women's running retreat that's coming up May 17th through 20th with elite runner Stephanie Bruce and host Sarah Canny. The window to apply to go to that retreat is March 1st, so head over to riserunretreat.com slash retreat. Thank you, Kind Snacks, for supporting the episode. You can go to kindsnacks.com slash lindsay to get 10 bars for free. All you have to do is pay shipping. Go to kindsnacks.com slash lindsay for full details there. And check out Casper Mattress President's Day sale. It is a huge sale. Go to casper.com slash savings for more information there. That deal does expire on February 20th, 2018. Make sure you guys are part of our Facebook group. We have a lot of fun over there. We discuss different podcast episodes as well as the book we read together every month. And it's just a good place to connect with other listeners of the show. Sometimes people drop in random running questions. It is a place to feel completely comfortable. Like you can ask anything, anytime. And I'm very active over there. So that's just all have another podcast uh, with Lindsay Hine. And that's a group. Check out my Patreon page. If you're looking for more content for me, that's patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. Right now I'm doing kind of a series on Boston Marathon training with my husband, Glenn. We are going to record a new episode there this coming Sunday. And stay tuned for a meetup run or meetup, some sort of something we're going to do in Boston, the weekend of the Boston Marathon. I'm going to be there and I can't wait to meet hopefully so many uh, listeners of the show. I know there's going to be a lot of you out there. So I hope that we can figure out a time to all get together and do something. I'm still working on those details and I will post everything and get that information out there as soon as I know what's going on. All right, you guys, enjoy the rest of your day. Have a great Friday and... As always, I'll see you next Friday.